Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Inside the House of Mirrors, written by Nicola Lombardi, translated by Joe Weintraub, and narrated by Manny Rilgai. Just a moment before, everything around him was a blazing profusion of light, of coloured reflections, and an almost blinding brilliance. And then the very next instant, the world darkened into a dreamy, murky twilight. Johnny shivered, thinking that he would have had the same feeling had he been holding his breath underwater in a sun-drenched swimming pool when a layer of ash was suddenly dumped over its surface. A blackout, he concluded. An unfortunate malfunction in the House of Mirrors' electrical system, and he hoped it would be repaired soon. He had no idea how the thought of entering the maze had come into his head. For years he had visited amusement parks simply as a spectator who was content just to join the widespread gaiety surrounding him. The urge to climb up onto a carnival ride or into some sideshow had disappeared years before, but on that fall evening, aided by a rush of nostalgia and a glass of mulled wine, entering a funhouse did not feel so very strange to him. It seemed that no one was then wandering through the twists and turns of that glittering maze, but with the sweeping beacons of light and all of the other of the park's illuminations behind him, it was impossible to be certain. And so, after some hesitation, he approached the ticket booth. He was aware of seeming out of place, if only because his type of lonely middle-aged man was rarely part of the sideshow's regular trade. 
but once having paid the admission, he pushed with a light heart against the revolving door and walked over the corrugated metallic plates that paved the way into the mirrored maze. For a few moments, he was amused to be there, but then the lights went out and that challenging entanglement of mirrors and glass was suffused only with the murky, polychromatic gloom coming from the outside. His eyes dilating, he looked around, confused. His image in dark grey was scattered about everywhere, seemingly hovering in a void. Rotating cautiously in place, Gianni also glimpsed a few metres away the reflection of a movement that could not have been his. In fact, now that he thought about it, he'd had the impression, while roaming around a few moments before, that someone else had entered the maze, although he did not pay particular attention to the other person, as engrossed as he now was in finding a safe exit. Well, he thought, misery loves company. He looked for the front of the maze, the side facing the amusement park, but his view was blocked by too many surfaces, opaque or reflective, and he could make out only a confused nebula of pale halos and multicoloured specks of light. Surely, on the outside they must have noticed the sudden shutdown of every light within the maze, or did they think the House of Mirrors was closing for the night? Hello? He called out, addressing anyone who could hear him. A shadowy figure moved past him, and, flinching, Gianni jerked his neck abruptly around, but afterwards he sighed in relief. He had forgotten that other person, lost together with him in the maze. Still, it was only the reflection of a reflection that had passed nearby. A tall figure with a beige overcoat hung loosely around him and a hat above. He was walking, slowly gliding through impalpable curtains of shadow, here and there, fading and disappearing behind the translucent or reflective slabs of glass and mirrors. But as the man moved forward, arms extended, Gianni noticed that his fingers were not being held outstretched like someone who wanted to avoid a collision, but were curved like claws, almost as if he were trying to grab onto something. With that mental picture, clearly a troubling one, Gianni thought, what the hell? The manager should have intervened by then. He must have known two people were still inside. Or did he believe they had already left? And yet it would have been easy to verify whatever the case. Gianni could certainly not just stand there like a fool, waiting. Hello? He called out again, raising his voice. His cry, however, reverberated ominously among the innumerable partitions, returning to him just as his own image inevitably returned in such a way that he was stricken by the troubling impression that he had almost become another person, a stranger surrounded by an indefinable number of men who resembled him only in appearance, lost men who had just cried out to him and from whom he could expect no help. What nonsense, he thought, and then, Arms out, he resumed walking, cautiously touching the emptiness before him, and when meeting cold and smooth surfaces with his fingertips, he followed them tenaciously. Occasionally, he glimpsed a fragment of the man with whom he was sharing that awkward situation, the flap of a coat, a hand with arched fingers, the shadow of a face, pale and wrinkled. He must have been an old man. But why had he chosen to come inside there at that hour? And then Gianni realised he could have posed the same question to himself. He was tempted to attract the man's attention by tapping his knuckles against a mirror, just to enter into a sort of sympathetic harmony 
with the only person capable of understanding what he himself was going through. Perhaps with gestures instead of words, they could have reached out and found common ground in an effort to dispel the inescapable sense of solitude that Gianni was already feeling like a cramp in his stomach. For the moment, however, he chose to keep moving, cautiously and silently, but without much hesitation. Turning right, he tried to detect the glow from the amusement park, but a corridor of mirrors sent back only his own face, little more than a greyish watercolour sketch on an ebony background. A few more steps and the mirrors gave way to a glass partitioning, beyond which, however, Gianni did not see any light. He then swiveled his head around, and on his left he glimpsed, blurry and apparently quite far away, the multicoloured arc of the ferris wheel. It was easy to become disoriented, and he must have gotten confused, continuing to wander around like that. Are you trying to be rational? He wondered. To find a reason for this? The truth was that a very unpleasant emotion, like a worm in soft wood, was boring a tunnel through his heart. But there's nothing to be afraid of here, Gianni. It'll all be over with soon. The last unhappy consideration left him momentarily breathless, and it was with that idea, so ill-conceived, that he found himself suddenly encircled by several decidedly deformed shapes that forced a small outcry from him. He had reached what must have been the centre of the maze, a small room, shaped like a pentagon, consisting of five distorting mirrors. In normal circumstances, such sights would have been cause for laughter. But in that freakish situation, seeing himself reduced to a pumpkin-headed gnome, a beanpole with ape-like arms, or an ungainly alien with stumpy legs did not help him suppress his anxiety. In that small space, any external radiance came filtered through countless refractions, spreading just enough halos of faint light throughout the room to make those degrading images visible. He viewed for only a moment those grotesque variations of his appearance, but as he fell back to retrace his steps, a flickering movement from behind, multiplied five times in front of him, drove him to turn around with a start, causing a sharp twist of pain in his neck. That other person, roaming about in the maze, had passed close to him, or perhaps it was no more than a deceptive trick of the reflections. He could not be sure because of those faint and iridescent lights that were continually setting traps for his eyes, but it seemed to him that the man had turned to wander in his direction, if for only a second. Had their eyes really met, or had Gianni only imagined it? The problem was that the man's face, that waxen patch between hat and coat collar, did not seem to be a face at all but rather a whitish rag, crumpled and stretched roughly over an approximately oval surface. He detected neither nose nor mouth, but Gianni was struck by the shiny, deep-set little circles he had in the place of eyes, black pearls from which the dim glow stagnating in the maze had snatched two slivers of light. His heart contracted as an invisible cube of ice brushed against his neck. He cursed the glass of mulled wine and also himself for the childish idea that had driven him to lose himself inside there. Panting for air, he came out of the little five-sided room. What had he seen there, really? And then the idea came to him out of nowhere. 
This was no paying customer, but rather a performer, a staff member who took part in making the experience more exciting for those reckless enough to enter that maze. Seen in that way, the thing at least made some sense. And perhaps turning off the lights was also part of the program. It was possible. Everything was, but still, he only wanted to get out to breathe the fresh evening air, to laugh at himself for that little bit of craziness to which he had surrendered. He turned, first right and then left. Where had he come from? He tried to follow his instincts, starting out with his arms extended, bumping and turning back, swallowing one curse after another as he struggled to find a semblance of an orientation, and with his eyes straining to retrieve the glow outside from the amusement park. But whether he moved forward or retraced his steps into new twists and turns, there seemed to be everywhere only mirrors and glass, glass and mirrors. What time was it? Was it possible that the rides and the booths had all shut down? Was anyone there still outside? Was only the night left behind to wait for him? I want to get out! And his words shattered into splintering echoes, pouring down on him from everywhere, as if the maze was crowded with people who, like him, wanted nothing more than to regain their freedom. Now he could no longer distinguish either lights or colours. Only the milky veil of the moon, slant and refracted, leaked into the maze, allowing him to make out only vague shadows. I want to get out. This time he whispered it, or maybe he merely thought about it. He kept on moving, holding his breath, grinding his teeth, but when he found himself once more surrounded by the malevolent parodies of himself in that small five-sided room, an instinctive moan welled up from his parched throat. He quickly turned his back on those pitiful likenesses and discovered in front of him the odd stranger with the white face, immobile, intent on looking at him with those inanimate little eyes from the other side of a glass partition. He did not hesitate to make his way towards him. He ought to have said something to him, but he was no longer surprised to find his mind relentlessly free of thought. Approaching him, he moved just about an arm's length away from the transparent partition. It was all deeply distressing. How could they think that a stunt like this could amuse anyone? For no apparent reason, he raised one hand, slowly, and brought his open palm in contact with the glass. The stranger did the same. The two stood staring at each other for several endless moments, and as Gianni tilted his head slightly to one side and then nodded, studying almost in a daze how the other perfectly synchronised each movement to imitate his, he found himself wondering what the sense was of all this absurdity and, in the end, his entire existence. At the exact moment that he realised he was in front of a mirror, a merciful cloud rolled by to extinguish the moon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Inside the House of Mirrors was written by Nicola Lombardi and translated by Joe Weintraub, narrated by Manny Riogai, produced by Duncan Muggleton with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson, and sound effect provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington, our cartographer, mapping out the ever-changing terrain of social media. 
After 30 years of writing three novels, six collections, one film adaptation, multiple translations from the English, Nicola Lombardi is considered a master of the horror genre in Italy. His website can be found at www.nicolalombardi.com. His first collection in English, The Gypsy Spiders and Other Tales of Italian Horror, was produced by UK's Tartarus Press in December 2021. Deeper Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.